grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening, the epistle reading that we heard just a moment ago, Ephesians 4, 1-6, especially these words. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. It might be kind of an old saying. It might even be kind of a trite saying. But I know you've heard it before. Maybe you've even had it spoken at you before. If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. We're in the midst of election Season. I don't know about you, I'll be glad when all the campaign commercials are over and put away. But this is one thing that I think everybody has in common with regard to politicians. If you're going to talk the talk, follow through. Walk the walk. It's very rare. It's very rare in politics. It's very rare in life. It's easy to talk big. It's also easy to not follow up our big talk with actions. Or as our text uses the word, to walk in the words that we have so boldly confessed. Tonight... God's Word brings those two together. Talking the talk and walking the walk with regard to who we are as Bible-believing Christians. We sang earlier, the church is one foundation. We have here a lot of talk about what the church is. That, That church has a verse really dedicated to these words from Ephesians chapter 4. So, what is the church? God's Word clearly teaches us that the church is not a building. The church is not properly even a denomination. The church is the assembly of believers called together by God. Oftentimes when we talk about the church, we talk about the church being invisible. I can't see into your heart and you can't see into mine. So in that way, the church can't be seen. God knows, but we really don't. All we can go by is the confession, the talk of the individual, and then the walk of the individual. But that gets us in trouble. Because 
when we look at the walk, the life, even the words of fellow Christians, we know that like ourselves, we, we often fall short in our Christian walk. So, what does God's Word teach us about the church, about being a member of the church? The church's talk and the church's walk. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God's Word does not tell us to create the unity of the Spirit. That's not our job. We cannot create unity in the church. All we can do is disrupt it. All we can do is mess it up. All we can do is promote disunity because of our sin. God's Word teaches us to keep or maintain the unity which is God-given. God is the one who creates the church. God is the one who calls us together. In fact, we confess in the Catechism that the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies every Christian. In the same way that He calls, gathers, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. God creates the church. God brings the unity to the church. We look around and the church looks very fractured and disunited, chaotic in fact. But God does not lie. We go by not what we see, by what we hear. So, what does God teach us? God gives us a series of ones. One, one, one. In rapid fire suggestion. There are seven of them. I suppose God could have given us more. But he gives us seven right here. Seven, this number of completion. He teaches us what the church is. There is one body. What body is he talking about? He's talking about the holy Christian church. We confessed it in the Nicene Creed just moments ago. The holy Christian church. It's okay to say the holy Catholic church, small c. Universal. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is a member of this one body. Who's the head? The Pope? The LCMS president? Poppy and Moline? Who's the head? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. The head of the church. And we are its members. The second one 
one spirit. The Holy Spirit. Many times we are carried away by the spirit of the times. The spirit of this age. Fancy people will talk about the zeitgeist. And that's all it is, is a fancy name for the spirit of the world. You know the kind of spirit of the world that I'm talking about? The spirit of the world that says, you don't need God. You certainly don't need church. Your authorities of an old book. Now the spirit of the time say, if it feels good, do it. If you want to be empowered and emboldened, then you need to choose your own identity. You need to get rid of anything that would keep you from being happy. Even if that means an unborn baby. No. We have one Spirit. The Lord and Giver of life. We have one Spirit who spoke by the apostles. We have one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who called us to faith in the waters of holy baptism and who keeps us in the one true faith as He feeds us with word and sacrament. One body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. Really two parts there. First of all, is your calling. All of you, have a calling. I suppose all of you can say, I am rightly called. Usually we reserve that talk for pastors, but it's true. You were called in the waters of holy baptism. You were called in the waters of holy baptism to your primary vocation. Christian. And from that vocation, all the other vocations that you have flow. Are you a student? That's your calling. That's your vocation. Are you a husband? Are you a wife? That's your calling. That's your vocation. Are you a parent? Are you a child? That's your vocation. Are you a pastor? Are you a member of the congregation? That's your calling. Are you a citizen? Are you a neighbor? The list goes on and on and on. All of these callings, these vocations, flow for a Christian from our primary calling in holy baptism, where God put his name on you and took up residence in your heart. In that calling, you were called to one hope. Hope? I was really hoping we'd get a little more rain last night. Today I was really hoping that the wind wouldn't blow so crazy. On Saturday, I, I hope the Huskers keep on winning. That's usually how we talk about hope. But when God's Word talks about hope, it's not something that may or may not happen. It is an absolute guarantee. And the hope to which you have been called is the hope of heaven. Heaven, eternal life, salvation. This is our hope. And hope does not disappoint us. 
Because hope is sealed with the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I get ahead of myself. One Lord. Who's the Lord? He's the head of the church. The head of the body. It's Jesus. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Jesus is the Lord of the universe, of course. He's the Lord of the church. And He's earned that right by His perfect obedience to His Father. His perfect life. His obedient death. His glorious resurrection. His ascension to the right hand of God where He fills all things. And He rules the church now by His Word and by His gifts. One Lord, one faith. You might hear voices clamoring that there are many faiths or even such absurd nonsense as all roads lead to heaven. That makes about as much sense as saying all roads lead to Roca. What? How silly is that? There is one faith, the faith that is given to us by God, the faith that has an object, and that object is the crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. The Father sends the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Savior bleeds and dies to save the world. The Spirit points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The one faith, the one faith that we confess, the one faith that is our talk, our confession. One baptism. We don't hear the clamor for multiple baptisms quite as much as we did 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, but it's still out there. There are not many baptisms. There is not a spirit baptism versus a water baptism. There is one baptism. And that baptism is with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That is your calling. That is where God called you. And He continues to call you to your baptism. Every time the call to repentance is there, we are called to return to our baptism, to return to the waters of holy baptism, to die there with our sin and lusts and evil passions and rise forth a new creation, a new person. And finally, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We believe in the three-in-one God. It is a mystery. We confess it. We cannot dissect it or fully understand it. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where the Father is, there the Son and the Spirit are. Where the Son is, there the Father and the Spirit are. Where the Spirit is, there the Father and the Son is. How can this be? It's a divine mystery. 
This is the God of the Scriptures. This is the God who has created us and redeemed us and sanctifies us. My friends, this is our talk. This is our confession. God has given us these words. And whenever we hear and believe, preach and teach these words, there is the church. And the unity of the church is maintained. And when we fail, by adding to or subtracting from God's word, chaos and disunity follow. My friends, our readings for this week, the one thing that unites all three of these readings, well, of course, it's Jesus. But the one specific topic is humility. Humility, the opposite of pride. When we're full of ourselves, we don't need God. We don't need His Word. We have no room for it in our lives or in our hearts. But as we humble ourselves before the Word of God, as we humble ourselves before the talk of the church, the church's teaching, then and only then can we, brothers and sisters in Christ, Walk the walk that God has called us to. God wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Flowing from the church's talk, from the church's teaching, we will walk with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. There's that love word again. When we're full of pride, we're full of love, but it's misplaced love. It's love for ourselves. My friends, in our various callings, as we walk as God intends us to walk. We will humble ourselves before the Word of God. We will love God first and foremost with our heart, soul, and mind. And we will love our neighbor as ourselves. If your calling is as, is as a student, you will swallow your pride. Humble yourself before your instructor. Not be offended by every little thing that is said. Cut your fellow classmates some slack. Put the best construction on everything. If you're a husband, treat your wife like the bride of Christ. Love her. Forgive her. Be willing to die for her. Speak words of kindness to her. If you're a wife, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Not because he's domineering, but because of his sacrificial love toward you. Love your husband. Don't talk to others about 
how bad or miserable he is. Love him. Forgive him. If you're a citizen, take your duty as a citizen seriously. Participate. If you're a neighbor, yeah, it's okay to talk to him or her with words of kindness occasionally and maybe even shovel the walk when it's a blizzardy day. My friends, we could go on and on and on. But the point is this. When we, in our primary calling as Christians, humble ourselves before the Lord, listening to His Word, we will want to walk the walk, the Christian walk, the humble way. And my friends, we have the greatest leader in this humble walk of all. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who humbled Himself to be born of a woman, to take on flesh and blood. He humbled Himself by placing Himself under the God-given law. He humbled himself, going all all the way to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying the death we have earned and deserve. He humbled himself by dying our death. Christ, in humility, paid for all our sins of pride and hubris. Paid for all of our sins of Desiring the the words and the voices and the talk of the world rather than the talk of God. He paid for it in full. And on that third day, God humbled or exalted the one who had humbled himself, raising him from the dead, never to die again. My friends, this crucified and risen humbled and exalted Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He is the one who gives us our talk. And He is the one, by His forgiveness, who truly empowers us to walk the walk. My friends, I therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace may god grant it to us all for jesus sake amen now may the peace of god which far surpasses all understanding. Keep our hearts, our minds, our talk, and our walk in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.